For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick here for the first uh, episode of the season of our new program, Thursday Morning GM with Voss Laricos of Baltimore Beatdown. Voss, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Ken. Great time of year. Looking forward to the season. Um, football fan, Florida State's my college team playing LSU with the national uh, championship implications this weekend coming up. So couldn't be more excited. All right. Or, of course, the Orioles uh, still rolling along uh, with a one-and-a-half game lead, two in the loss column now, so we're happy about that as well. It's a great time to be a Baltimore sports fan. Uh, we're very fortunate right now. I'm going to be a man of divided attention, I think, this October, uh, hopefully into November if uh, if things go well. So, uh, anyway, this show, it's the intention is to each week of the season – look at what the Ravens might need to do from a general manager perspective. And that's what this is. We've got a Monday morning quarterback. You can see what we're plugging into with that. You can see what we did. Uh, so Vasa and I are co-hosts of this show, and we're looking to uh, uh, at, at what moves uh, are still ahead for the Ravens right now or what might need to be addressed based on, uh, on uh, where they are during the season. So obviously a crunch time right now in terms of uh, roster manipulation, the, the Ravens have uh, announced their practice squad initial one. Anyway, yesterday that changes a lot, just like the roster will they've announced their initial 53. They have some vested veterans who are still in limbo. They have other vested veterans that they moved to the practice squad already. And they have, of course, a number of young guys there, uh, there as well, but they still have a fair number of roster moves before opening day. Yes, I, just to touch on the practice squad, I thought pretty much everyone they wanted uh, made it through, um, except for Kyle Blue Kelly and David Sharp. The Sam Mustafer made it, Jeremiah Moon made it, Daryl Worley made it, Josh Rawls made it. So I think they were uh, pretty successful at getting most of the players through. The big question now is who are the players that are going to be going on to the injured reserve that can return later in the season mm-hmm. and who are going to replace them? The rumored players, uh, at least per Jeff Zarebeck, are Pepe Williams, who I think everyone expects, Malik Ham, um, as well as Keaton Mitchell, both of the UDFAs. Uh, Keaton Mitchell expected to go on and not Humphrey at this point. And, and not Bowser at this point, which is a more significant one. So Bowser's on the NFI. Mm-hmm. So he does he's not even technically on the 53, and he has to sit out four weeks minimum. So okay. uh, great point. a little bit of a tough spot there. But uh, they do have some players that I think they'd like to bring back. Yeah, absolutely. And so we, we know of the, the vested veteran crew. You could extend that out to about six guys maybe that were in this category. But uh, let's talk through those guys and just how important they are to this team. Uh, Sam Mustafer, an offensive lineman who played very well this preseason, uh, actually a very surprising cut to me. Uh, I thought that the Ravens would carry 10 offensive linemen, uh, certainly in terms of the initial roster, or at least 
move him very quickly back to the roster. They've actually practice squatted him uh, at this point, which is an indication he may stay there at least a week into the regular season, be, be elevated perhaps in week two, or it may be longer yeah, in point of fact. Right. Uh, I mean, I definitely think he put some good tape out there in the preseason and has a lot of experience under his belt. So he would be a player that other teams certainly monitoring if they have an injury at center. I was very happy to have him make it there. Um, but there are some uh, financial incentives to wait a certain period of time uh, to so they don't accrue the year and the yep. salary is not guaranteed throughout the year. Right. So if they wait till week two, I believe it's a non-guaranteed week-to-week salary deal for most of And that may, in fact, be be part of what they're thinking for here. He's a vet minimum guy. So the savings is some, but it's not a ton. If It's, it's, a, it's a bigger deal if you have a guy, uh, and I guess this really never happens because you'd really have to sign the guy to like a $3 million contract and then you wouldn't have him sitting out for a couple of weeks. It's, it'd be more normal. What they did with Eric Williams a number of years ago, Eric with a K Williams, the lineman mm-hmm. where they brought him in after week two and they paid him something more than the vet minimum. And then they were, uh, you know, going week to week at that price. So uh, I think the Ravens are the best in the game um, at manipulating the roster in this way. Um, but it also does come with a cost. Um, mm-hmm. But we'll, we'll circle back to that. I think maybe uh after we touch on the players, we, we think they may bring back. Yeah. So we, we talked a little bit about Daryl Worley. He has not been elevated yet, correct? That's uh, that's my no. understanding as of now. Uh, he probably a good chance. He is elevated uh, in the first few weeks. But Worley, a guy they had 18 transactions with last year, whatever the number was. I'm sure it was the record for the franchise because it was just an obscene <laughs> number. Um, but he is a guy they probably feel will last uh, a week into the season, two weeks into the season. They may even go through three practice squad elevations of him if it fits into their overall scheme. I, I think that's probably likely. I think um, it depends. You know, they they can elevate players, but they can they can only address a maximum of I believe forty seven, forty six or forty seven, forty eight. So. You have to be taking into consideration if you're gonna who are you who are you not giving a jersey to on Sunday in addition to the five guys that are on the roster to now give more guys you know uh, we an should opportunity. we should address that so who who are the guys you see as non uh, as as inactives come this first week for example I would say Salah is likely an inactive um, I would say How you about know Hill is also. Well, I think they probably oh, want to – they need to have eight, right? Right, they need to have eight. They need to have eight. And and then, they only have nine on the roster now. Right. So I think you can't go too thin there. Perhaps likely if he is not uh, healed in time. Um, you know, most of the, the 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 last guy on the depth chart at most position groups are your special teams aces, Wallace Hill. Um, potentially Ricard could be uh, deactivated, although he does bring something to the the team on our special teams and then flipping over to defense again um you're looking at delshawn phillips um who's just one of the guys you want on special teams so maybe trent simpson is an act uh, i think tavius robinson would also be inactive um and then maybe uh Ardarius, i'm sorry jalen armor davis yeah jalen armor davis is a possibility and i'm trying to think of who else is uh you didn't say Ardarius washington did you because he's the sl- starting slot corner no no, I, no. okay Mm-mm. Arthur Mollett, a possibility. 
Could be, could be. But he, he again, is another special teams contributor. So there's a lot of these back end of the roster guys competing for those mm-hmm. special teams reps and that and that game day jersey. Okay. All right. Very good. Now, one of the things about safety is they really only have three guys right now. Or Darius Washington, he may list as a safety, but he's not going to play there because they need him at slot corner, obviously, which means their only real backup is Stone at this point mm-hmm. in the season. Brandon Stevens, another guy, they can't afford to play him at safety. They need to keep him available for outside corner because he's their top their top backup there. Uh, maybe Humphrey, in in terms of week one, is inactive yeah. as well if he's not going to play. So uh, you, you end up with uh, – I, I think it's going to be pretty easy for them to get to five, honestly. They have okay. at times activated only four defensive linemen. I don't think that's a particularly smart move, but it might be something they would do against a team like the Texans. Uh Mm-hmm. They do run the ball a little bit. You might want to play a little more base defense, but the more base defense you have to play and the more defensive snaps you have to play, the more you really need to have five defensive linemen. Yeah, I'd like to have Brent Urban activated for this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Houston is going to try to run the ball with uh, Pierce, who's one of the better you know, up-and-coming young backs, and offensive line might be the strongest you know, unit on their, on their team. That's not saying very much because their team's not too great, but with a rookie quarterback – um, I would definitely expect that. So Brent Urban would be somebody that is going to potentially take the spot of Malik Ham mm-hmm. once he goes to uh, IR, short-term IR. So this is interesting in the Ham thing because it's it, you could make the case that he's on the roster to play early in the season, but he's also a valuable replacement later in the season. And obviously the biggest biggest need right now in the Ravens is at Sam Linebacker. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, no, that's probably not true. It's probably still cornerback. But Sam Linebacker, enormous problem at this point, that they don't have a single player who really fits in the how the Ravens have used a Sam Linebacker. They had Kyle Van Noy in for a visit. He would have been a guy that would have made sense uh, f- for the team, I think. I don't know why they – maybe he wasn't in shape. Maybe the price wasn't right. Could have been. I heard it was the price. I heard he was asking for three to four times as much as they ended up signing Clown for, which was a little oh. surprising. But uh, I was coming off a good year, and he's still available. And I would agree with that. If you're looking at the week one, Bowser's not available. If you're going to deactivate Robinson, that leaves you with Away, Clowney, and Ojabo and Harrison to potentially take on some some outside linebacker snaps. But if you're looking at what is the thinnest position on the team for week one at least, you're still too deep and even three deep not three deep, but two deep plus one at cornerback at all three positions mm-hmm. if Seymour is, is uh, re-added. So um, I actually feel more comfortable at corner at this point, even assuming Humphrey is not available than I do at outside backer. And I think it, it may be worthwhile. If there's one place to add, and I think this is the best, most complete week one roster since 2012, but if there is one place, I would say it is Sam. Okay. Well, we'll see if there's if there's a player they like. But anyway, getting back to Malik Cam for a second, uh, he dropped back eleven times off the line of scrimmage during the preseason. So they they tried him there. They were obviously you know among their objectives was trying to see if that could work. Um, was not targeted in that time, so that's a good sign right right off the top. If you've given up a couple of receptions, that wouldn't have been terrible either. Um, the other guy, Jeremiah Moon, played uh, some Sam as well. Had a PD in coverage, so. It's it's not shocking to me, but maybe if I had to, you know, bet on a little bit of an upset, I would have said Moon would have made the roster initially. He, he still could be a uh, elevation 
a practice mm-hmm. squad elevation is a guy that that they think maybe can take on some of those same responsibilities. The one thing I can tell you is Clowney is not that guy. He's he's uh, yeah. uh, it, it, we went over this last time uh, last night, but I did want to want to make this a, a numeric thing and not just an assertion, which is important to do. But comparing Clowney and Bowser as two guys who have both played on the edge, and obviously Clowney played in some different different defenses, including a four three, both in in I believe in both in Houston and Cleveland, but he's his total number of coverage sacks in a what is now a nine year career. Let me get this right: 116. So he's averaged about 13 coverage snaps per year. While he's had 3,416 pass rush snaps, so about a 30 to one relationship between the two. Whereas if you look at Bowser uh, over his career, which is a little shorter, uh, he has had and I'll get this up in a second here. Uh, 555 coverage snaps, but only 1,158 pass rush snaps. So about a two-to-one relationship in terms of pass rush to coverage. Those two figures exactly um, demonstrate how the Ravens require Bowser around to get the flexibility out of the pass rush that they want. You know, when you can drop your Sam linebacker uh, to coverage and feel good about it, and Bowser's the best in the game at at doing it, um, that gives the all kinds of options to the defensive coordinator in terms of how they bring that pass rush off the slot from inside back or from safety, whatever they might want to do. Um, and, and it just, it's, it's night and day in terms of difference in flexibility. Look at last year. It was when Bowser came back, which happened to also be when they got Roquan Smith, that the defense turned it around. I was going to make that exact point. Roquan, it, it was the same time. So especially in those matchups with Cincinnati where uh, McDonald was really able to sort of uh, get, Burrow off of his rhythm. I thought Bowser was the key man that made that a, bit, a possibility. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. No question that the team views – I mean, Clowney's listed on the roster as a defensive end by the team. So I think that says a lot about how they view him, and that's what he's done throughout his career. So it makes perfect sense. Yeah. I mean, and and they don't really – he's not a five-tech, so they don't really have a defensive end position for him to play. When he came to the Ravens, Harbaugh said he's an outside linebacker, putting the outside linebacker room. But I think I think he was practicing with the with the defensive lineman. As it's but Jihad, Jihad Ward, I believe Jihad Ward – was it three years ago? He was listed as a defensive end, and the similar and the similar type of, I guess it's a seven tech, you know, or something yeah. like that. So, yeah, the question to me is is what are what's going on at quarterback? If if Johnson is required to get past week one, um, why not put um, Huntley on uh, IR? I know you only have eight total, and if you're going to use three this week or four this week, that limits you, but I don't know. It's just really hard to carry three quarterbacks on the 53, I think. I think what they may be thinking about doing is activate. They, they may be hoping Huntley is back before week four and activating Johnson using up his practice squad elevations before they put him on the roster. Um, I don't think they'll carry three quarterbacks at any point this year in terms of not having one of them on IR. I just don't see that happening. And you can see that, that they, they still took Anthony Brown on the practice squad 
which to me, he was the only guy who made sense as a developmental quarterback there. Uh, it, it really, I guess you can do it just to have him at practice and whatnot. To, you can, you can keep Johnson there, but they really want to, I think they want to just, uh, maybe, and maybe they will, maybe they'll, will do it. But the fact that they haven't put him on yet actually tells me they might, they might activate him prior to week one. I think so. That's, I mean, either Huntley's ready or he's not. If he's not ready, you can't play a game with only one quarterback on your roster. So at that point, I would potentially take take the chance on Huntley. You know, the difference between skill set is might be a little bit negligible. So I don't know if you're missing out on that much, you know, value that Huntley would be so much better than Johnson in weeks two, three, or four if if pressed into action. Yeah, that that's the move I would make personally. Yeah, and then you multiply that by the probability of Jackson actually getting hurt, and you hope that's low. Um, it, it, yeah, there you go. Cause it's, uh, boy, would we hate that to happen in an all in season, you get all push all your chips in. And this is one of the reasons I, I hate doing it mm-hmm. is that when you do it and you have a big injury, you're, you're at the, you're so much at the mercy of your health in terms of, of trying to make things work out. Anyway, I, I, the counter to that, and I've thought about that a lot and I definitely agree with that opinion. However, um, even if you're in a, in a season like last year where you're not pressed so tight and borrowing void years and um, one big injury also derails your season at that point too, if you lose your top guy. So I know you're, you're taking money from next year. Mm -hmm. So there's a little bit more cost there, but I don't think the injury risk is worse. um, More impactful on a team built that way. I, I don't disagree with the comment, but that would say don't make the move ever. Don't ever don't ever heap your talent into one year. What, what I heard was another argument on my side. So say it again? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, okay, good. As long as we're on the same page there, that's uh, that's something. Um, I did want to talk to you a little bit about the, the, the composition of the practice squad. And there's a whole other pod on this, so we don't have to go through it. But I have I have one generalized problem with the nature of the practice squad. I wanted to get your opinion on it and see if you had any, any surprises or anything that showed up or anything you'd like to talk about. Why don't you go first? If there's anything, any surprises on the practice squad from your perspective? I mean, it's pretty straightforward. Um, I would have probably kept a different set of receivers, but the, the big thing as far as numbers per position, I don't necessarily see a need for two running backs on the practice squad with four on the roster. That's, yeah. That would be the one to me. I'd rather maybe give that to an offensive tackle or another defense down lineman. I, I'm in the same position with you. Uh, and I, I, the reason is overlapping with, a, with a, a more general philosophical point is that the 2024 Ravens have an enormous need for fresh incoming talent. There's going to be a huge exodus of free agents. And that practice squad this year, they've got 16 spots where they need to devote, in my opinion, more of it to developmental talent. And two guys that made complete sense for the roster, I mean, Dante Demas would be a guy, if if you believe he could be a wide receiver five or six next year, those positions are going to be open because Odell and, and Aguilar ain't going to be back. Mm. Um, or if they are, you know, they're at market value, and at least it gives you an option to choose somebody else. Mm. Um, Tariq Black, obviously, would be another guy. Now, none of these guys are world beaters that, you know, you just have to have them. But Dante Demas gives you kind of multiple characteristics that I think we saw in this, in this preseason, including some ability to block and whatnot that I, that I like completely on board with you. In fact, that in the point that Melvin Gordon has no space on the roster, uh, you own no stake in Melvin Gordon's future. So if Melvin Gordon either helps you in 2023 or he's worthless to you in terms of a practice squad spot, 
in turn, and and I think with four deep, I think that's very unlikely we'd be upset if it if it mm-hmm. happens. Certainly, and a guy like Owen Wright who might develop this year, and sure, it's always possible he might see a a, a game or two this year where he's the fourth back and gets two carries. But if if he does a few things well, I mean, all of a sudden he could be Gus Edwards, and then you've got him for four years. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and, that, and that's extreme example, but still, you know, you, that, that's what you're hoping for. You don't have that possibility with Gordon. Yeah, I, I, Gordon, he just he's just over the hill, and he doesn't really offer you much of anything. Uh, you know, you, I can understand the need for a lot of times teams would keep a really speedy back mm-hmm. on their practice squad to mimic, you know, quarterbacks when they're practicing and that sort of thing. But Gordon, Gordon can't do any of that. He's a he's a get what's blocked for you and nothing else kind of guy. And I don't know. Um, I guess the pass protection is what they is what they really like from them. You know, this is the funniest thing about Gordon that you would bring that up, but we looked at it on the show when we're talking uh-huh. about the practice squad. The most, the worst trend I've ever seen. But take a look if you've got PFF, bring up Melvin yeah. Gordon there, and take a look at his pass blocking the last, uh, uh, actually every year of his career. And this is actually it's it's funny, except it's not. Uh, <laughs> he's uh, okay. Let me bring this up because it's just one of the things you got to have here. 2022. Look at the. Uh, Look at pass blocking specific. Okay. So his pass blocking scores since 2015 came into the league as a pretty good pass blocker, 74.0. And I'm just going to use the rating for this. I, I, you know, obviously there's, there's questions about this, but pass blocking rating then 68.8, 56.3, 56.2, 47.0, 41.7, 41.4, 39.9. His pass blocking rating has declined every single year he's been in the league to an unbelievably bad level currently. Mm. so it's it's you know he's not the guy for that he's not on the official no. frontier of receiving and, and and pass blocking yeah so you know hopefully they'll find somebody better that they can take from another team and um you know i would have liked to keep david sharp but didn't quite work out there um it's going to be an evolving process obviously with who's on the 53 who's on the practice squad and all that comes with a cost i wanted to make this point uh brian mcfarland effective cap space once the rule of 51 mm-hmm. is put to bed and you know what do they need for the practice squad elevations plus injury reserve plus in season they need eight million from where they are now i mean they're essentially at zero right now that's, a, that's an approximation of of what, what they'll need to do in terms of signings and whatnot i've i've I, brian has got I think a it's high. Moderately conservative number, but 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 he's right in the sense that if they have like four guys that they're extending their roster with, that's like four million. Effectively, it's going to cost. And and I, I think normally the assumption is it might be four to five million. So maybe he's in the right range. Um, but the the it's it's a uh, he's very good. And and by the way, love love having him on the show whenever he's able to do it. But uh, uh, that's that seems like a like a a high number. Now they can create that money, right? But, uh, so you. I mean, that's pretty much when, you know, they can do it as needed. It doesn't have to be done ahead of time, but I would not be surprised if either Ronnie Stanley or Marlon Humphrey, who are both over $7 million to be could be restructured, or Lamar uh, or Mark Andrews, who are five and four, four and a half, if they do pull one of those triggers, pull one of those levers before the season, because according to his effective cap space, they are right up against it right now. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that, and I think they're actually – okay – a little bit of theory. I believe I understand this correctly. Is that it, it? It only matters if you're restructuring a veteran, if you 
prematurely restructure a guy who might be cut before the last year of his deal is the only time it matters. So I think they're more likely to restructure Humphrey than they are Stanley. Stanley, I think they've actually resisted it because of the because of the fear that he might either retire or not be healthy enough to go, and and then they have a a different kind of event they need to deal with at that point. And boy, you know that's going to be several shows unto its own. Is what's the most effective way to replace Stanley when the time comes? Uh, first round draft pick. It's Most pretty. Likely. It's, it's, pre, it's pretty much what the options the options are in that case. Uh, boy, if you can get that, if there's any way you can get that problem solved any cheaper than that, it's uh, it's it's terrific. But you mm-hmm. look what the Ravens traded away Orlando Brown. They weren't going to be able to pay him. You know, for one year of service, uh, it was a mid second round pick for the Chiefs to have him mm-hmm. there. So uh, yeah, it's a it's a it's a difficult call. So they're going to have to probably tap into one of those big four contracts at some point this season. I would probably, assuming this mystery injury with Mark Andrews is uh, minor, um, I would probably – I think he's probably first in line. Um, I don't want to be a fear monger, but they have $23 million in cap space next year, 11th least in the league, and that's with OTC projecting a jump of $30 million in TV money and that, that with, actually, with a slew of UFAs. Yeah, that does slew of UFAs. Begin yeah. to address the number of players under contract, which is the right. real problem is and the talent under contract. Yeah. So if you're gonna if you're gonna restructure Andrews and take that four and a half million and put it towards 2013 or 2023, then that 23 million dollar number now is reduced by that much in 24. Yeah, yeah. So it's a uh, uh, it's it's I guess it is. Your Andrews only have one year left on his deal. He has no, only, no. He has, at okay. least two, if not three, at least two. So a portion of that, maybe a third of it goes to next year, and then a third each to the next two years kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But still, mm-hmm. it's it's every dollar they defer, every dollar they spend in the next few years got to be looked at in a whole they, – they just went from 1X to 10X on the microscope in terms of how they need to look at it with Lamar being paid what he is. So difficult. Absolutely. Absolutely agree. All right, Voss. Always a pleasure to talk football with you. I I, uh, I, I know we're going to have a great time with this as as co-host this year. But tell folks where they can talk football with you online. Sure, I am at Vasili Speeddown, V A S I L I S, Speeddown on Twitter slash X. Um, co-managing editor and author for Baltimore Beatdown put out an article just this afternoon about how uh, Eric Acosta has in, embracing the uh, the new. Um, win now at era in the NFL. And uh, also uh, have another podcast with uh, Yuri called the Ravens way records and uh, streams live uh, every uh, Thursday at 9 PM. All right. Very good. I'll have to give that, give that a try. Other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short, hit me up with a DM on Twitter. They're always open. I'm always looking to talk to new people. Uh, This is how I meet new folks. It's how I met Voss originally. And, uh, and really like to uh, meet new people, do shows with them, discuss a kernel for an idea of a show, and and uh, I'll get back to you very quickly if you contact me. I promise you that. Uh, Voss, I'll talk to you next week. Talk to you then. Thank you. I'll talk to you next week, next time on Film Study.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.